0: Nathan, it's time. He didn't hear. Nathan McAllister was so deeply asleep, he was like a stone plunging to the bottom of the sea. Nathan, it's time. This time he heard the voice, far away, and then felt the hand on his shoulder. He fought himself back to the surface and awoke. Blinking, he took in his father's face, saw the rain dripping through the tangles of his silver beard. Nathan heard the wind shrieking outside and the rain in sheets lashing the windows, and then he heard his mother coughing in her sleep in the next room. Her cough was getting worse again. Your watch, Nathan, came his father's voice, deep as a foghorn, but gentle. It's a ghastly night. Be careful. Nathan struggled to his feet and started pulling on his clothes. He thought of the odds stacked against them, and he drew strength from his father's faith in him. We haven't let the tattoo light fail yet, and we won't, he vowed. Once he'd wrapped himself in sea coat, oil slicker, and rubber boots, Nathan pulled his sou'wester over his head and put on his gloves. He took the lantern from his father's hand with the full measure of pride that came from doing the work of an assistant lighthouse keeper at the age of 14. They didn't have any choice. He and his father had to split the night because they still had the work of four men to do during the day. I've lit a fire for the fog trumpet just in case we need it, his father advised in parting. Nathan lowered his head and stepped outside into the teeth of the gale. The rain was mixed heavily with salt spray. In a crouch, with one hand clutching the lantern and the other grasping the rail, he fought his way toward the lighthouse. Just before he reached it, against the background of the booming surf, he thought he heard the cow downwind, calling as if from a great distance. There was a distinct note of terror in her voice. Then Nathan heard a faint, repetitive sound he identified as the door of her little barn, banging. The cow must be loose in the dark and the storm. Cow, he thought, you'd better be lying down. There's cliffs whichever way you turn. I can't chase you on a night like this, and neither can my father. More than once during this winter, he'd been forced by storms to get down on his hands and knees and crawl. Here it was, April, and still wind like this. Would it never end? One of the assistant keepers who'd abandoned them said he'd once been blown clear across Tatouche Island's treeless 17-acre top before managing to grip onto shrubbery at the edge of the cliff. And that was in the daytime, Nathan thought. No, I have to tend the light, even if it might mean losing the cow and one of Mother's few comforts, that cup of warm milk three times a day. There might be ships out there depending on this light. In the Foghorn building, he checked the water level in the boiler, then shoveled more coal into the furnace below. No pressure yet on the gauge, no steam. He would check back in half an hour. Nathan entered the assistants' quarters, which enveloped the base of the lighthouse, and with his lantern held high, began to climb the spiral stairs. The iron stairway was vibrating uncannily the way it always did when the wind howled. His hand on the stone wall felt the same vibration. The hair climbed on the back of his neck. He recalled hearing that the roof itself, up above the lantern room, had blown off during a storm several years before. Near the top of the stairs, he entered the watch room, a small compartment beneath the light. The entire tower was shuddering, and Nathan believed he could feel it swaying at a time like this back in january the former assistants had deserted their post here in the watch-room certain that the entire lighthouse was about to collapse into a heap of stone blocks when he reached the very top of the stairs nathan pulled back the heavy iron door and entered the brilliant lantern room itself he was amazed as ever to be standing so close to the dazzling lens while it was in operation this was a first-order fresnel lens fully twelve feet high and so wide that when he went inside it during the daytime to clean it, he couldn't touch both sides of the glass even with his arms spread wide. This miraculous revolving chandelier with its 1,176 prisms was powerful enough to send its sweeping ray twenty miles through the gloom. Soot was building up on the lens, but no more than usual. Tomorrow they'd get inside and clean every bit of it off. The lamp's five concentric wicks, he could see, were trim and burning cleanly. He checked to see that the clockworks that propelled the light were wound, and he gave the oil machinery another grind to make sure the oil would keep flowing to the wicks. That lighthouse tender ship had better get here soon, Nathan worried, or else there'd be a disaster. The lamp burned ten gallons of oil a night, and they were down to the last fifty gallons.